Hey loves, my name is Amanda Mati and you are welcome to my Wavering Thoughts. If this is your first time, please do not make it your last time listening to this beautiful voice. Ensure you follow and turn on your notifications for weekly updates on my podcast release. And if it's not your first time, thank you so much for joining me once again. It's a pleasure sharing my resolute thoughts with you. I hope they speak to you. So new listeners, old listeners, all the same, you all are the real deal. And you are welcome and I love you so much. Okay, so today we're going to be having a conversation as regarding healing. And the title of this podcast is, How Do You Heal? There's a question thrown at you guys. And of course, it's also a question thrown at me. Because I had to think critically about how we heal, how we tend to our wounds. How do we go about seeking healing. It's a very, very tricky one because we think that healing is just a term we use in this generation that, oh my God, I'm healing. I I was hurt and I was broken and I I need to tend to my wounds and I need to heal. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. And um, in this generation where there are several things you can do to, you know, like heal, it it is wise to go about it the right way or you're going to bleed out on those people who did not hurt you. As a matter of fact, you think you've Healed, but you haven't exactly healed. And sometimes when I think about the things that I've done or or the things that I do or how I react to things, I realize every day that I actually do need healing. I need to I need to come out from this dark place. I used to think that I was already healed. I was, you know, like getting the hang of it all, but apparently not. <laughs> I wasn't healing at all. As a matter of fact, I was inflicting more injury to myself. And I needed to go about it the right way. So I had to take a step back and ask myself several questions, which leads to this podcast where I felt like, of course, it's my wavering thoughts. And I had to share and ask you, how do you tend to your wounds? How do you heal? I would love to define healing as much as we think we know what healing is. I'm going to try to define healing in the simplest way possible. I know that healing is a process of making or becoming sound or healthy again. Okay, so we're going to try to define what self-healing means. Self-healing is a process of recovering from ill health, usually emotional ill health. So I actually don't know quite a lot about how to heal your mind. I really wouldn't say that this is how to heal your mind, but I'm going to walk you through how I went about it, the negative way and how I went about it, the positive way eventually. Healing takes courage and we all have courage, even if we have to dig a little to find it. Healing yourself is connected with healing others. Healing may not be so much about getting better as about letting go of everything that is into you, all of the expectations, all of the beliefs and, you know, becoming who you are. And healing requires from us to stop struggling, but to enjoy life more and endure it less. Sometimes when people do certain things or when they say certain things and how they react to things, I start asking myself, who actually hurts you? But each time I walk past through life and encounter people, I realize that we have a lot of broken and hurt people. And sometimes it's very, very hard to navigate knowing what to do and how to react around them or how to behave towards them. So it doesn't bring back that feeling of being hurt or broken again. And I, for one, know that because I'm also hurt and broken, or would I say I was in that situation before? As a matter of fact, I wouldn't say I'm healed yet. I don't think healing happens one time and then you boom, you're healed. But um, healing takes time. It's a process. And I feel like 
Healing is a continuous process. I can't say for a fact that someone can say, oh, I'm a healed person. You can say, oh, I'm healing, but you can't say you're a healed pers- person because you cannot uproot the things that have made you who you are from when you were a child, the things that broke you as a child. You see, you're not even aware that those things broke you, probably even forgot about it, but you were scarred from those things that hurt and broke you at the time when you were a kid. So I believe that there are risk factors that can contribute to generating people who are broken and hurt in our world today. First of all, you can experience abandonment or rejection, even as a child or as an adult or as a teenager, or bullying or violence or poverty or abuse of any kind, sexual, mental, physical, and even social abuse. So these are more as several risk factors that can contribute to broken, hurt people in the world today. Like it's it's crazy. It could even be the smallest things that can break people. It depends on the on the hard posture of that person, how strong that person is, right? So you might not really know what can I mean we're susceptible to this world and anything can come through, pass through go through us and sometimes you can take it and sometimes you cannot. Sometimes we are strong and sometimes we are not that strong to handle these things. Sometimes we feign um, strength, but we are not exactly as strong as we think we are. But at the same time, you're still strong, but there are things that just happen to you and you can't, you can't just body it because it was just too much for you to handle. So why is healing important? Healing is very, very important. I, I for one, I don't want to bleed out on those people who did not hurt me. As much as we are dealing with a couple of hurt people in the world, it is important that you take out time to heal from whatever thing you've been going through. Whatever you went through, it is important to heal. Sometimes you ask yourself, what exactly am I even healing from? And it is important to actually find out what you have to heal from, what you're healing from. Are you healing from abusive parents? Are you trying to heal from an abusive partner, whether verbal, emotional abuse or physical abuse? So yes, healing is important. Healing is important so you don't bleed out on your children. Healing is important so you don't bleed out on those people who did not hurt you. Healing is important so you do not project your fears in the future on those people who did not break you. It is so important because we deal with people every day and because they are healing as well, it's important that you take out time to heal. Um, Some people think they're healing or some people don't even think of it as something serious, but it's important. Why is healing important? There are a few things that come to mind when I think of why healing is important. It helps with a stronger ability to cope with life stressors. So when mental and emotional states are at peak levels, the challenges of life can be easier to overcome. It can help with a positive self-image. So mental health greatly correlates with personal feelings about yourself. Overall, mental wellness plays a very huge part in self-esteem. So confidence can often be a good indicator of a healthy mental person or like a healthy mental state. A person who is mentally healthy is flourishing is more likely to focus on the good in themselves and will generally have ambitions that strive for a healthier and a happier life. Why it's also important to heal is that it helps with healthier relationships. If your mental health is in good standing, you might be more capable of providing your friends and family with quality time, affection and support. So like when you're not in emotional distress, it can be easier to show up and support the people you care about. Another importance of healing is that it helps with better productivity. I say so because dealing with depression or other mental health disorders can impact your productivity levels. If you feel mentally strong, it's more likely that you will be able to work more efficiently and provide higher quality work. 
It's that simple. Another important factor to why you need to heal is it helps um, improve higher quality of life. When mental well-being thrives, your quality of time may improve. This can give room for greater participation in several things like community building. For example, you may begin volunteering with um, several things around your community, things that generally just give you happiness or gives you a certain kind of joy. As for me, I realized that I love to donate. I love to, you know, like go out there. Uh, I know a couple of friends who have who own NGOs and I just, I'm like, oh, I, w- I would love to volunteer to, you know, like whatever you need me to do, the social media, do you need me to follow you up there? Do you need me to cook so we can share to those people who do not have? You just realize how these things improve the quality of your life. And so far is, I don't know, it's been, to me, it's been amazing. Like it, ju- it just gives, it lightens my heart and in a way it heals. It's, it's actually healing to actually participate in all of these things. So you just realize that you are resonating with your environment positively. So I had to put a list of characteristics of a healed person. This list is a guide to help me attain a certain or a desirable goal of being totally healed as, a, as an individual, as a person. And the moment I get through these steps or get to these certain levels and I'm realizing that, oh, okay, so I'm actually doing this, I'm actually doing that, I begin to realize that, okay, your healing process is, or your journey to healing is working. So how do you know a healed person? Is that they are radiant and full of life, they have a positive mindset to things. They make a conscious effort to be good people, no matter what the world throws at them. They manage and control their emotions. And they also see things from a deeper and healthier perspective, not judging and not putting anybody in a box. These are the things that I want to attain. I, I have to get to this point. I'm not saying it's a must, but I'm working hard to get to this point. And so I'm going to talk to you about my personal traumas as a child and the things I'm healing from. It is it's very personal to me, but I feel like sharing my story would help in giving you more insight about the things I'm healing from and the things I have to heal from or, or else it's just going to be chaotic in the future. So number one thing I know that I'm healing from is that I have this thing where if a certain kind of attention isn't given to me, I feel extremely sad, like I'm not relevant or important. So as a child growing up, I wouldn't say that I need attention. I'm desperate for attention. A kind of attention that I subconsciously want without even knowing is not the type that, oh, I walk into a place and my voice is the loudest or my dress is the shimmiest or anything. Okay, for example, I am in the classroom or somebody is speaking to three people and I'm the third person. And this person is paying attention to one person that they are paying attention to me. Mind you, prior to that day, they were having a conversation with me and engaged me more than the other person that they were engaging the next day. So when I notice that behavior, I tend to curl in my shell like, okay, you're looking at this person and talking to this person and you're not paying attention to me. Like, why are you not talking to me as much as you were talking to this person? I start to question what changed? Did I do something wrong? You know, I start overthinking the whole thing. It's it's actually very, very crazy because I had to think back to when I was a child. I had a cousin that I had a cousin that would wake up today and decide not to talk to me. We did not have any issues. And she was like a big sister to me because I did not have a lot of older sibling 
um, figures in my life. So she was like a big sister to me. And sometimes she just, I, I think she even had bipolar thinking about it right now because so I didn't understand why someone wake up the next morning and, you know, just decide not to talk to me and give my siblings more attention, play with them, you know, like just do the things that she usually do with me, with them. Now, I don't have a problem with doing those things with me, but so far you're engaging me, I will feel among, I will feel like I am relevant or I'm important to you. But the moment you seclude me or you limit the way or you, I just noticed a little bit of distance because as a child growing up, I was a very sensitive child. So I observed every time, tiny thing to the move from the mood of my parents to the mood of everybody around me. And I felt like sometimes I had to work extra hard to, you know, like make them love me, make them like me, make them love me. And sometimes it was not even my fault half of the time, if not almost all the time. It was never my fault as to why my cousin treated me the way she treated me at the time. She would just not talk to me. So that alone scarred me. And when someone does not place a certain relevance or gives me a certain attention or isn't the way they usually would be with me, I start fidgeting. I start overthinking it. I, As a matter of fact, I might even start keeping a grudge in my heart, like, oh my God, this person is not a good person, you know, things like that. That's number one. Number two, I always apologize a lot. And that's because I was almost always blamed for something going wrong. So I'm the first child of my parents. I was always responsible for them. So anything bad that they do, they'll be like, where were you when this person did this? You were supposed to be there. Even when I was not even in that vicinity at the time, (laughs) there was a funny experience that happened. My brothers, we just moved into the new house and my brother spots the door. And the first person my father decided to beat the living daylight off was me. Where are you? You were supposed to be here, you know, doing this. You're supposed to be here watching your brother. You're supposed to know what to do, you know, things like that. As little as I was, I was about 10 or 11. I don't I think I was 12. I think we moved into the house when we were 12. When I was 12, rather. And he yelled at me and beat me so much. Although he beat every other person because I think he was going through a hard time at the time. He hits me the most and then he still beat my brother but he hits me the most and I always wondered why I had to take the fall for everybody's mess ups or fuck ups or any of something of that sort. Before anything goes south, I find myself apologizing and then it became part of me that even when I say something or even when I want to ask something for, from someone, I feel like I'm disturbing them. And then I have to start with, oh, I'm sorry. Can I take this from you? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm taking your attention. Or even when I want to ask the simplest questions, or I feel like, I, I don't know. I just realized that I keep saying, sorry, 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 sorry. And I realized that that made it look like I was not confident of myself. And it always hurts me because... People always always assume the worst of somebody who um, is always apologetic at every slight thing. I remember my friend saying, oh, why are you always apologizing? And then I'll be like, oh, okay, sorry for saying sorry. You know, I'm still saying sorry. Do you get? <laughs> it's just crazy. As to how much I apologize, I'm still, still a work in progress. I'm still yet to understand why I have to apologize for everything. But thinking back to the time when all of this happened, I, I think it's mostly because I was always sensitive to the mood and feelings of every other person around me. So if I don't want them to feel a certain way or uncomfortable, I apologize first before. It's more like a 
it's, it's like a smooth landing. And then I just apologize first and then see what I have to say. And sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't go well. So the third thing I believe I'm healing from is I have issues with making decisions because I don't trust myself enough to make the right one. And reason is because I was never given a chance to make any decision for myself as a child. I was made to feel like my decisions were never, ever good enough. I would love to put it out there that you should allow your kids make certain decisions by themselves. Sometimes even if they make a mistake, give them that freedom to make a choice. Sometimes as Nigerian parents, you'd be like, okay, you're too small to make any decision. What do you even know? Let me make the decision for you. There are tiny choices that your kids can make that can build them to be strong, decisive individuals in in the future. It helps them build their confidence. It helps them understand that there is nothing wrong with making the wrong decision and you know, you know, making a mistake with that decision. The best thing you can do is learn from it. Never given the chance to learn from my mistakes. As a matter of fact, if you make a tiny bit of mistake, you're dead. <laughs> you're gonna. So the fourth thing that I believe I'm healing from is my view of sex and men. It's so warped that I feel like if if it's not worked on, I might bleed all over the person I get married to. Even if it's true that probably 80% of the men in the world who want to know you are after one thing. It's even possible that it's genuine. But because of the experiences I've had as a child or even growing up as a young adult, I always have this mindset that there is no genuine reason why a guy should meet me if it is not because he wants to strap or he wants to have sex. And it makes me scared because I don't, as soon as I just sense it, I, as soon as someone approaches me, I I let my guard up. I start, you know, like looking for ways to get out of that situation because I don't want to be used at any point. It's going to break me. So I'd rather not just get in that space. I'd rather just be by myself. It's also important to know that there are people who have genuine intentions. How we get to know who those people are, what their intentions are. We are not God. We don't know what they, what's in their hearts. What you can do is pray and ask him for guidance and look out for red flags. So another thing I'm trying to heal from is sex is a sin. It's not a sin. It's only a sin when you are not married to a person, to the person you're supposed to be giving yourself to, not fornication. Sex is not a sin. It's the way we go about it. And all my life... Even I even have that strong feeling that if I don't hear from this mentality, even after I'm married, I might I might feel like this thing I'm doing is bad. <laughs> now our parents did not give us the um, opportunity to understand that sex is beautiful, but until you're married, not frivolously giving yourself to somebody who will never probably get married to you or take you seriously. That extends to men and women, not just women in particular, because people might think that women are a target, but sometimes our view on sex is so warped and so bad that we we need to actually hear from them. The pornographic content we used to watch as children or even as adults or currently or right now, or the sexual things that we engage in right now are are things that we adopted as children or things that we had seen or things that people had said and it has so warped your mentality that you feel like this is how it should be or you just feel a certain way towards sex and that is going that's how it's going to be for the rest of your life i'm sorry you can't continue to live like that you have to heal from that another thing i'm healing from is being called ugly from a very very close family member it kept me in a place where all my life, I believed that I was ugly. So 
I met a girl when I was much younger. It was a pageant in school. And her mom would remind her how beautiful she is and that she should work with confidence and boldness. Already, she was a girl in my class and she was not the most beautiful girl in the class. But there's a way she carried herself that was so attractive that other people around her just you know wanted to be around her because of how she carried us. She just had this beautiful light about her. And that made her seem beautiful. She had this confidence, this high self-esteem. And it was so beautiful to see and watch. And then there was me struggling with my self-confidence, about to be a contestant to the pageant of, at which this girl was a part of. I, I didn't believe myself one bit. I know I was smart, all of that, yada, yada. I know I was a very eloquent kid. I knew what to say and how to say it, you know, but I did not even believe whatever came out of my mouth. I won that um, pageant, you know, in school, but she was the first runner-up, but I was the overall winner and there were benefits that came with it. But in my heart of heart, I didn't think I deserved it because I felt like she did better. Sometimes it's the people that are around us that determine how we see ourselves. One thing I've observed is that there are people, let's say, for example, you have a sister, your cousin, your mom, there's, there's a way, they, there's a certain way they speak to themselves. Oh my God, I look ugly today. I don't feel beautiful. You know, things like that. In a way, you're watching and learning those things as a child. And before you knew it, you're realizing that you're becoming that person that your sibling was, your mother was, you know, conscious of yourself always thinking you're not beautiful or pretty enough. Those are habits that we pick, or when we say habits or tendencies or personalities that we absorb as children that we need to unlearn from. So you need to surround yourself with people who make you feel like you're the shit, like you're the real deal. So in order to build your confidence, and as a child, my confidence was not leveraged on. You know, it dampened the way I was spoken to as a child, dampened my self-esteem and which I'm trying to build on right now. Another thing I'm healing from is being bullied or being pushed over. And this was due to the fact that I always wanted everyone around me to be happy. So I would do anything to make them happy at the expense of my own happiness, hence the pushing around. So sometimes I find myself going the extra mile for some people. And I used to have a friend that always remind me, oh, you never, you've never done anything for me, but I'm always doing something for you, you know. But, uh, and then I start to feel bad because I always make myself available. I might not have the money. And I know that this person was referring to monetary support. But me, I'm always available for you. I'm like, whatever hangouts, whatever birthday, whatever thing that is going on in your life, I'm always available. I'm just always there. You will always see me there, but it was not appreciated. So I found myself wanting to do more. I wanted to break my bank account just so I can please literally everyone around me so I can make them happy at the detriment of my happiness, of my own financial stability, of my own peace. And it's something that I'm still working on, but I feel like it is a work in progress. I think it's even better than before. Another thing I'm healing from is never speaking up immediately when I feel hurt by something. Instead, I bottled things up in my mind until I explode. I was never, you know, given the opportunity to express myself as a child. So when I did express myself, I'll, I'll get beaten up or insulted. And this haunted me as a child. I don't know how to express my love. I don't know how to be romantic. I don't know how to take anything seriously. I mean, I take things seriously, but there are certain things that have to do matters of the heart that I shy away from. I can show you so much that I care about you. I can show you that I love you with my actions. But seeing them when expressing myself is so hard that I feel like if I, it's so hard, like, I don't know. 
I, I want to do it so much because I'm an expressive person, but it's so, it's so hard because I don't know how to go about it, that I don't sound like a simp or, or however, if I express myself, I'm not looked down on or insulted or someone will tell me, would you shut up? What are you even saying? That's, those are the things that I even heard a lot as a child growing up. So those are eight things that I'm healing from. There are still a lot. There's still plenty. <laughs> But I um, I can see for a fact that they're a work in progress. And I cannot wait to get to that point where I embody the characteristics of a healed person. There are several ways I tried to heal. And I went about it the wrong way in the beginning. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know that I was going. I was seeking for healing. But I, I was always finding ways to numb pain. I was always looking for ways to get over the pain that I went through. One of the things that I know I'm trying to heal from as well that I didn't mention is sexual abuse as a baby, even much later, is the continuity of the sexual abuse for me. <laughs> because at the time, I didn't even know what was happening. And even when I knew what was happening, I was, I was, it was always one thing or the other. I don't even know how to start talking about the story or how of how it happened and to be honest sometimes it's very very personal but i want to urge people who have been sexually abused to go about healing the right way there are several ways to go about it as a matter of fact there are people who when they are sexually abused they they call back in their shell they become numb to the pain and they engage in um, drug abuse, several kinds of abuse, just to you know, like make sure that they numb that pain that they felt as a child, the pain that they felt through someone sexually abusing them. In my case, it was very, very different. It was a case of because of how pain that was, as to how these people treated me and the level they reduced me to taking something as important as my pride away. I would resort to having sexual relations with someone and running away, you know, like detaching myself. I could tell you that, oh, I like you and everything. And then I just detach myself immediately. I also resorted to pornography. I started watching pornography as a child, <laughs> as early, I won't say I started watching, I think I started reading novels of, you know, like sexual novels, all these romantic erotica novels that exude sex in the unruly forms I don't even know how to explain it. It is just so weird that I read those books. I was addicted to those books. I was always looking forward to reading an erotica book after after school. Instead of reading my books, I want to read those things. And then I wanted to see them live and direct. Hence, I started, you know, like viewing pornographic content and wanting to, the craze for sex just started. You know, I wanted to be in control. I wanted to teach many lessons. Who told you that you can teach many lessons with sex? Excuse me. <laughs> no, you can't. You absolutely can't. I found myself being that person. I found myself doing certain things that I didn't even want to do just because I wanted to numb a certain pain. For a moment, it is numbed. I feel, oh, I feel good about myself. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I did this. But eventually when I get back home, I feel so shitty and horrible. And feel so sad about everything. There's a few things that I just amounted to doing to numb the pain, you know, of the sexual abuse I experienced as a child. Like I said, some people would call back in their shell. Some people they become they, they they become obsessed with wanting to be in control because they were reduced to nothing at the time they were sexually abused. I went about it the negative way. 
I would love to talk about the positive ways I had to explore to heal. How I started was speaking to God about it because I tried several things to heal, journaling, all of those things, but God was not in the middle of it all. And then I decided that, you know what, God, I really need to heal just like the woman that touched your garment, even when she didn't know if she was going to be successful or not. She made every, she did everything in her power to touch your garment and she was healed instantly. And you could feel a power. You could feel power leave from your body because of the faith of that woman. Her faith made her whole. And that is exactly the same faith I am approaching you with God. I want you to heal me. I need you to heal me. I begged God for healing. I cried for healing. I wailed for healing. I wanted to. I wanted more for myself. I wanted to live a life void of all this pain. I just wanted difference. I just wanted things to be different. So I just had to table it to guy, guy, God, I beg. This is what I want. And then he started showing me ways. At the time, I thought I, I was a Christian. <laughs> I can see for a fact that I was a Christian, but I didn't know God. I can see for a fact that I didn't know God as much as I do now. And when I encountered and experienced God, I, I realized that then I was just a mediocre Christian. And he started telling me that, okay, there are several things that you can do to help yourself heal. It is good that I even knew that, okay, if God could heal people of blindness, of sickness, of demons, I strongly know that God can heal me of my past hurt. So I made a list of ways to heal. And number one is eating right and working out. These things help you out. They help in healing your mind. They help in healing the insides of your body. Eating right, balanced diets, all of those things help the healing process. I'm sure you're wondering, what are you talking about? But when you start eating right, you realize how light you become. When you stop eating junk or overindulging in things or under eating or overeating, you realize how light you are. You're not as heavy. You're not as light. You're just there. You're you're just right in the middle of where you need to be. <laughs> Another way to heal is listening and watching things that help boost your mind. If you know that there's anything that's going to trigger a certain feeling in your heart and it is going to put you in a certain position. I would advise you to stop viewing those things or listening to those things. For me, I actually like to watch K-drama. People always ask me, why do you like to watch anime and, anime and K-drama? It's because those things don't have sexual content that are going to, that's going to arouse certain things inside of me. I'd rather not watch American movies is because I know that there's going to be one sexual, even Nigerian films. There's Nigerian, certain Nigerian films that I can't watch and certain Nigerian films I can't watch. I mean, it's not me that you guys are going to put in that corner. I'd rather not watch them. The Korean drama... Uh, they're usually pure and innocent. They don't have all those sexual innuendos one way or the other. So I just listen to music that are non-sexual. I used to listen to trap. I used to listen to rap. And those things were always encouraging sexual things or having sexual innuendos. I just told myself that, you know what? I want to stop totally. It's hard. I'm still trying to stop listening to them, but I find myself going back to listen to them sometimes. But in the presence of listening to those things, I find myself cringing at the words that they say. Before I say rap, I've seen those things, Nicki Minaj, um, Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion, all of them, I knew the lines, bro. But now I say, no, I don't want to get, I want to be better. I want my mind to be healthier. Another way to heal is journaling. 
journaling is very important. It's important to write things down, how you feel, why you feel the way you feel. And the first thing you can start with is, oh my God, I'm thankful for the fact that I'm alive. I am able to wake up. I'm not sick. You know, like you can just start writing about things that you're grateful for. Journaling has helped my life many ways than one. I have journals way back from when I was 12 and it, it is working for me. And I know that it can work for you too. The next way you can heal is a relationship with God. This should have been number one, but this was the least. So I just wrote anything that came to mind. One of the most important ways to heal is a relationship with God because he can point out those past hurts, help you heal from them. You can rest in him. Resting in God can hasten the healing process, no matter what you're healing from, however you're healing from it. Resting or having a relationship with God, putting him front and center of your life can hasten the process. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. Another way to heal is practicing breathing techniques, especially when you are in a irate mood, like when you're feeling very, very sad about something, when you're angry or fidgeting or angry, you know, like you're just upset. The first thing you need to do is take the deepest breath you've ever taken in your life. That deep breath, start taking it immediately when you find yourself overreacting to things or getting angry easily at things, just take a deep breath. Inhale and exhale. You have no idea what this thing does. It does wonders. So I advise you to try that. Another way to heal is sleeping properly, sleeping at the right time and waking up at the right time. Having your eight, seven to eight hours of sleep is very important. I feel like it's... Also, he says the healing process because you're able to organize your thoughts. You're able to have a proper sleep time. You wake up, you don't wake up feeling tired. So sometimes you do wake up feeling tired and there are other things that contribute to that, but you can try that. It helps. I've tried it and it's helping. Another way to heal is clear your mind. Talk about how you feel honestly. Talk about how you feel honestly to someone you trust someone who wouldn't judge you. Another way to heal is cry when you feel really sad and write down why you feel what you feel. If you can't find words to express how you feel, sit still and just meditate and you know, like breathe and calm, be calm and collect your thoughts. Another way to heal is seeing a therapist. Trust me, seeing a therapist goes a long way. It is not cheap in Nigeria, but if you have the opportunity to see a therapist, I feel strongly that you should go for it 100%. So I wrote a couple of facts and situations that can lead to hurt and broken people. Number one is overly loud people often don't feel heard at home and they feel like in order to be heard, they have to raise their voice. Another fact is people who have experienced toxic love in their childhood will often find such later on in life because it's the only type of love that they know. Kids who grew up in a financially unstable home would often feel guilty about spending their money later on in life, even if they are financially stable adults. Girls who grew up with an emotionally or physical upset father will tend to gravitate towards men who are emotionally unavailable. People who always apologize, even when it's not necessary, might have grown up in an environment where they were constantly blamed for something or made to feel like they were at fault all the time. Those who struggle with setting boundaries might have grown up in a home where their boundaries were constantly violated. And people who find it difficult to express their feelings might have grown up in an environment or a home where they portrayed that being emotional means they are weak. So these are major, major facts. These are facts and situations that lead to broken and hurt people. You can see from the facts that there are certain things that resonated with me from apologizing a lot and also 
finding it hard to express myself. Those are the things I'm healing from. And I hope that this podcast was able to help you pinpoint the things that you need to hear from. You have to take a step back and listen and think to yourself, what can, what am I hearing from? What are the things that I need to hear from? So I don't bleed out on innocent people. One thing I do know for a fact is that you can't heal on your own. So the people you relate with, people who are close to you, you need to let them in on your journey, on your healing journey. You cannot allow people who would drain you or hurt you the more be in your life. Refrain from people who wouldn't help you in your healing journey. How you heal is very important. And the people you surround yourself with make the process or journey less tiring and burdensome. As a matter of fact, it makes it more interesting when you have the right people around you to help you heal. It's important that you surround yourself with the right people. And on that note, I'm going to say thank you for listening to my podcast. My name is Oman Damati, and these are my Wavering Thoughts. Ensure you follow for weekly update release. Like and share this post to your friends and loved ones. Who knows, someone in your circle might need to hear this. Follow me up on IG at Unwavering Thoughts Pod. Feel free to engage with my posts. I really appreciate it if you do that. Thank you once again for being here with me. I really do appreciate it. I love you loads. Have a fantastic week. Bye.